Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. In our local fellowship, Michael set out a theme for for a large group of us to to share the pulpit over the few weeks and, and minister. And the theme that Michael has presented us is is making room, making room for more more of the Lord and his presence and his tangible presence in our lives. That if we set aside, let's say, a greater portion of ourselves or our hearts, that he will gratefully and wonderfully fill it. And I had the opportunity to share this morning, uh, bearing in mind I knew I was going to share tonight. I did a kind of a hybrid presentation message like I always do if you see me on Bible studies. It's not going to be a hardcore Bible study presentation, but it's a presentation nonetheless. And, and for me, I know all of us desire more of God in our lives. I know each one of us desire more of his tangible presence and his touch. And to, to know that we know that he's there and we know that he's inside of us, but we desire that Shekinah moments, those manifest moments of the old covenant. We look on those moments and we, we look in awe, even knowing that the greater presence is within us right now. And we do need him, don't we? We do need a greater measure of his presence and tangible and consciousness of his presence in our lives. But today, I'm going to be speaking from the other side, if you will, from his side, from the Lord's side. The all-powerful creator God desires more of us. He desires more of our touch, more of our presence. And he didn't just make room for us, but he in fact, moved everything for us he reached towards us and he made his home and his dwelling with amongst and inside of us so today i'm going to be taking you through a biblical narrative a very summarized portion or summarized condensed flow or layers of the lord working through the beginning of the bible all the way till this point today as we witness his heart for us as we see that he's continuously and passionately pursued us, his creation. This is who he does. He is. He desires to be with us. This is his heart. So I'm going to share my screen now. And I've probably spent a bit too much time in, in preparation for today as I've designed the artwork. Um, and let me call it a diorama of layers. And we are going to go through the layers building up from the back to the front, from creation to present day. We're going to see and we're going to witness how the Lord has always desired to be with his creation and pursue us. If you know we in Colossians in the Bible study, and I'm sure it's no surprise that my first quote or the first quote of scriptures from Colossians 1:16, where Paul says, All things were created by him and for him this is speaking of jesus but of the godhead nonetheless you see god is a creative being god cannot but create and it gives him pleasure to create he is also a personal being it gives him pleasure to have other beings that he can have a genuine relationship with 
So I'm going to be taking you through some scriptures uh, in these slides. And the first scripture dealing with creation in Genesis 1 verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. See, this is important because being made in the image and in the likeness of God, humans have the ability to know, to experientially know God, to intimately know God. And therefore, we have the privilege of loving him and worshiping him and serving him and fellowshipping with him because we are made in his image and his likeness. Eden that we see in the Garden of Eden, Adam, Adam and Eve portrayed there, Eden means delight in Hebrew. And indeed, it was just that. It was God's delight that he, he loved and he had an ability and, a, and he wanted to be with us. It was his delight to walk in the garden in the cool of the day with his creation, to be amongst and to walk with his creation. We can read about that in Genesis 3 verse 8, when God was looking for Adam and Eve in the cool of the day as the custom was, and he was walking in amongst his creation. And on one of these very walks, he calls out for his creation. He says, humanity, where are you? Humanity, where are you? A question that still echoes out through the ages. The Lord's heart was crying out for Adam and Eve, asking humanity, why have you left my presence? Why has your heart been attracted to self? Like me, I gave you the freedom of choice. I, have, I, being able to choose, have also blessed you and privileged you with the ability to choose. Why then have you chosen yourself and pursued yourself? And now again, I seek after you. Humanity, where are you? Knowing that you have left me. This is a, a dialogue that I believe the Lord's heart was at that moment when he, he was walking in the cool of the day, but he knew that humanity was no longer walking with him because they chose themselves. They chose self over him. God created us for his pleasure. And so that we, as his creation, will have the pleasure of knowing him. And that's why we were created. God would not and thankfully did not leave us to our destructive pursuit of self. Thankfully, he doesn't leave us to just recklessly pursue ourselves and just hurt ourselves and others and him in the process. In the opening pages of the Bible, still in Genesis, he prophesies how he will win our hearts back. And speaking authoritatively to the Satan, the adversary, the muse behind humanity's proudful pursuit of self, the Lord declares in Genesis 3.15. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to Satan, the adversary, and between your offspring and her offspring, speaking of Eve. He, the offspring of Eve, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first messianic prophecy of Jesus that we can read in Genesis 3.15. You see, I want us to look at that word offspring there and understand in Hebrew it means seed. When the Lord created, as you will read in Genesis 1 and as you, as you can read in Genesis 1, the Lord always creates his creation with the ability to be fruitful and to multiply. 
Genesis 1 tells us God created everything able to yield seed according to their own kind. This is how the Lord creates. He creates blessing that can beget more blessing and grow and multiply. And the Lord's plan all along was tied to the seed bearing ability of his creation and humanity. So to summarize most of the old covenant beginning through the ages, the Lord worked with this seed, this lineage from the loins of Adam and Eve. And he drew close to them. And in their inevitable turning back to self, he chose a select family and nations. And he created a lineage from Noah to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. The Lord called out a promised lineage and continued to pursue relationship with them. And as we will see today quite many times, we will know what humanity inevitably does. They keep finding themselves captive to their own corrupted hearts. They keep choosing self and turning their backs on the Lord. So this chosen family, this Abrahamic family, found themselves in slavery to a foreign oppressor known as Egypt. They're calling out and crying out for a rescuer, a redeemer, and a savior. And like the Lord does, he heard their cry and he answered their call. Through the mediator Moses, he led them to freedom and he longed to meet with them once again. And this begins a chapter where the Lord excited to be to meet physically with his people, his chosen nation, his lineage that is set from the loins of Adam and Eve and Abraham and the Abrahamic family. He longs to meet them again until now, until coming out of Egypt and on and through the desert. He, he has never spoken with them or met them directly. He was dealing, he was meeting them and speaking with them through Moses as a mediator. Now fresh outside and fresh in their freedom at the foot of Mount Sinai, the Lord is eager to speak with his family. He's eager to meet with them. And he descends on the, on the Mount Sinai with amazing splendor of his glory, with thunder and lightning and trumpet blasts. But look at how this family responds. Exodus 20, verse 18 to 19 from the message. All the people experiencing the thunder and the lightning, the trumpet blast and the smoking mountain were afraid. They pulled back and they stood at a distance. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but don't have God speak to us or we'll die. You see, like humanity does, the Israelites, God's chosen nation, his plan to reunite us to himself again chose to stay away and not be with him. So what does God do? What does he do with some nation or people that don't want to be with him? He loves us so much, he pursues us nonetheless. He makes a way. That's what God does. He will always make a way. And through a holy tent, a tabernacle, which that's what it means. The Lord designs a place where he can both reside with his people and that the people can act, literally have lived with him. You see, they were scared of the Lord's manifest glory and they were scared that they would die. The Lord made a way that they could have the Lord with them and not be so fearful. Still, there was a reverence. Still, there was a splendor through the, the fire and the cloud and the manifest presence. But he made a way to be with his people. He, he, he came up with a mobile 
concession, if you will. You see, this tabernacle was able to be put up and put down as they walked across the desert, as they journeyed with the Lord. And once again, the Lord was able to walk with his creation. Trading in the cool of the day from with Adam and Eve to now the, the heat in the day in the desert and the freezing conditions at night. The word tabernacles from the Hebrew word Mishkan, which means to dwell. And this is important. The Lord always desired to dwell with his creation. He always desired to tabernacle, to have an earthly dwelling place where he could reside with his creation, within creation. And this is what he says in Exodus 25, verse 8 to 9. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, you, so you shall make it. The Lord designed and blueprinted how the Israelites were to go about designing his temporary caravan, his home, his tent, where he can be with them. And we know the Israelites do eventually get to their promised destination, but they take a little longer and they are there a generation later. Through battles and through the Lord's help, they finally enter a period of peace once again. And now the Lord can settle with his people through this promised lineage. He can now settle and be with his people. And the son of David, still within that lineage, Solomon, finally fulfills his father's heart's desire to build a house for the Lord, to build a tabernacle of brick and of gold. The temple of the Lord that Solomon created was built and the Lord dwelt with his people in the Holy of Holies and he, he rested with them and there was a time of peace. Again, this was the only way the Lord could be with his people. You see, he needed to, he needed to set up ways that they could be with him too. Through Torah law, through cleansing and sacrificial rituals, he made a way for them to be amongst him and his presence. But it was never God's intention to stay in a dwelling or a tent made by human hands, to, to stay in a building or canvas. No, because he was still separated from them. He wasn't able to be intimate with them continually and forever. He was veiled off from them, literally. The Lord desires more. He desires for them to know him intimately without rules, without regulations, without rituals, without any separation. This is what the Lord has always envisioned for his creation. And through his promised seed, Jesus, he will make this possible. In fact, when David's heart's desire was vocalized to build the Lord a house before it was built, the, the Lord gives a response to David through the prophet Nathan. And he says in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, from the voice, he says, the, the Lord speaking through Nathan to David, when you leave this life, in other words, David, when you pass on and no longer are around, I will raise up from you a descendant, your own flesh and blood, and I will make his kingdom and family sure. He will be the one to build a temple honoring my name, and I will establish the leadership of his kingdom for all time. I will be a father, I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. You see, 
here the Lord promises that he will be doing the building. He will build a tabernacle, a temple, a house for himself to dwell in. Not just the temple Solomon built. This is pointing to, as we know, to Jesus, a prophetic statement from the prophet Nathan speaking on behalf of the Lord. The Lord knew that the building and the, and the tabernacle were temporary, and he knew it wasn't the ultimate fulfillment of what he wants to do. He wanted more. And we know, as we can find out in Ezekiel 10, the Lord's presence eventually leaves Solomon's temple. As Israel does what humans do, and they reject God and they choose their own path, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. They choose what is wise and pleasing to their own sight and to their own mind, and they reject the relationship, the intimacy of being with God. As a result, again, foreign oppressors come in, and they are found oppressed in slavery, exiled and invaded by Assyria and Babylon, and the temple is destroyed, and they are out of their homeland. Many years pass, and eventually they return back to Jerusalem, where the Lord's temple used to be, and they rebuilt this temple. But it's not the same. The glory, the magnificence, even on the outside, is not the same. But most importantly, the Lord no longer lives or dwelt in that temple. They never experienced God's presence in the same way as they did before. This left, and you can see a series of prophetic books in your Bible, this left the biblical prophets speaking of a future temple when Israel's God would return and take up residence once more among his people. One such prophecy, which we're going to read now, is repeated at least three times in the Bible. It's done in Leviticus, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Paul even quotes it in his letter to the Corinthians. Let me read the Ezekiel version of this prophecy that the Lord really powerfully shares his heart. He says, I will, let, I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see the inferior temple, the rebuilt temple, the temple empty of the Lord's presence, was the temple that Jesus walked around and was present there. That was a temple building of his day. This is the temple that he would enter, he would challenge, and he would cleanse. And Jesus himself quotes the difference between the temple, the shell temple that was present in his day and that people went to seek the Lord. And he compares it to the true tabernacle, his body himself. And this is what he says in John chapter 2. Verse 19 to 22. Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. They thinking that it was talking about the physical one in front of their eyes. And you will raise it up in three days. But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. And here's the footnote from John and the other uh, Gospel writers, he says, when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. See, the Lord Jesus was saying, destroy this temple, destroy me, my body, and in three days it will be raised up. The Lord was prophesying over his resurrection that the temple, the true tabernacle of the Lord, 
would be destroyed and will be resurrected. And he also, through his prophetic act of cleaning the tabernacle, he prophesied, or the temple of the day, prophesied what he would do on the cross. Let's stay in, in John and let's go to John 1. And this is where the Gospel of John opens up with this truth, that Jesus is the true tabernacle, the true temple of the Lord. And I'm quoting from Young's literal translation because he takes the Hebrew word and he translates it as literally as he can. And this is what he says, John 1:14. And the word became flesh and did tabernacle among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of an only begotten of a father, full of grace and truth. You see, in this statement, we can see that Jesus is the true tabernacle of the Lord. It's the true home or dwelling place of all that God is. And most importantly, it gave people the ability to behold, to behold the Lord and all his glory. Jesus is in whom humanity finally encountered God fully. The Lord coming in the bodily form of Jesus allowed us to see, to hear, to smell, and to touch Jesus. This is so important for me in my ministry life and in my testimony of getting to know him a bit better through his word. This for me became very real. Jesus has becoming and is continuing to become more real for me every day. The fact that Jesus walked this earth and contained the fullness of God like Colossians 1 says, and let's read it. I know our Colossians Bible study folk know this one. Well, Colossians 1, 19 to 20. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. There's that word again, dwelling, tabernacle. And through him to reconcile all things to himself. Jesus showed us who God is and that he wants to be with all humanity. This is so important. And also note, when Jesus walked this earth, who he sought out, who he went to, he went to those that would welcome him and accept him and not reject him and not turn their backs on him. He went to the rejected, the downtrodden, the downcast, the sinners. They labeled them sinners, those who were prejudiced against that they weren't allowed to even enter the sham empty temple. They were deemed not worthy to be in the temple, the building of his day. He cleaned this false temple prophetically, physically, and like I said, he cleaned it in the, on the cross for us all. And those who are, of us who are in the Bible study this past Thursday, we spoke and we quoted Paul in Colossians 2, talking about Jesus' resurrection and our participation in that resurrection. And for me, this is something I'm also really getting revelation of, that when we understand the power of baptism of water baptism and our new creation that we participate in what jesus has already done through his his cross moment his death his burial his resurrection and ascension you see we finally welcome god's pursuit for intimacy when we join in jesus's resurrection baptism when we respond and we welcome the pursuit that has been after our hearts all this time. When we say, yes, Lord, I long for you to be with me too. We come alive with and in him. Listen what Paul says in Colossians 2 verse 12, and I'm giving a hybrid of the voice and the message. It says, 
You were raised up with him by faith in the resurrection power of God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. I said that on Thursday and I'll say it again now. I love that. If we have a revelation that when Christ was resurrected, so were we. And when we accept the resurrection gift and the baptism, and when we enter our own recreation baptism, we come alive not only to Christ, but with Christ for him to dwell within us. And this, folks, is the real dwelling promise fulfilled. This is where the tabernacle of the Lord is not just in the bodily form of Jesus, but through what Jesus has done and who he is, we emerge clean from the dirty water of our empty selfishness of that baptism water. We come out clean, finally able, finally being able to have intimate connection with the Lord. Nothing holds us back. Nothing holds him back from being intimate with us, to know us intimately. Just like when Jesus comes out of the water of baptism, when John the Baptist baptizes him and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, so too does the Lord's Spirit descend into us when we say, yes, Lord, I welcome your pursuit of my life. When we come out of that water, when we come into that new creation reality, we receive his spirit presence inside of us. And the Lord fulfills the tabernacle promise from the beginning of Genesis to today. He tabernacles now inside of us. We carry his presence. Colossians is a big inspiration for this message. And it's really ministering to me because we all need to be reminded of how amazing this truth is, this reality, this mystery that is a mystery no more, that has been revealed, as Paul tells us in Colossians 1.27 from the message. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in his glory. This is truly mind-blowing that through this indwelling, we receive all that Jesus is, all that the Godhead is. And Peter asked a great question on Thursday, and Dad answered him through this scripture, John 14, 23. Jesus answered him, and we're going to discuss who that him is. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And as dad stressed on, on Thursday, and we, plural, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, will come to him and make our, plural again, home with him. You see, as the Godhead was involved in creation in the beginning, where the Father spoke the word who was with Jesus and the Holy Spirit who hovered over creation, that magnificent mysterious power now is indwelling in us in a way that we cannot fathom we cannot understand with our mind or our intellect or any part of us we are just grateful recipients to that intimate relationship with the lord the person that jesus was answering the question the person that asked the question was judas iscariot and judas asked why do we get Believers get to experience this tabernacle dwelling of your presence, and others don't. It's interesting that Judas asked this question. And Jesus gives this as, as his answer, which we just read, John 14, 23. And he explains that those who receive and respond to the Father's pursuit will receive him. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they will receive all, all representation of the Godhead. 
that is the key, folks. And this is what I want us to understand. For me, when I read John 14, 23, I don't read conditions or obligation or law. But thankfully, through Jesus, all we need to do is receive and respond. You see, response is key. Our God has been pursuing relationship with us from the beginning. He looks for true love because true love responds and chooses back, saying, yes, I welcome you to be the center of your attention as you are the center of my attention. Love that responds is true love. Love that welcomes and enters in intimacy is true love. One that chooses him over ourselves once and for all. Thankfully, Jesus did that for us and enables us to do that in him. It's that powerful, folks, and it's that simple. The gospel story for me is a love story of our father reaching for relationship with us. And this is what I always, a message of my heart is I'm always someone who put it this way. It's difficult for me to, to serve the Lord out of obligation, out of having to do so, having to be told to do so. My testimony is that the Lord reached out to me, even being raised in a Christian home, even being raised as a son of a pastor. I knew the Lord. I had relationship with him, but I kept him at a distance. Just like the Israelites, maybe I was a bit scared to get to know him a bit closer. Maybe I knew who he was on that mountain, but I didn't really know how much he loved me. He remained distant. But you see, the Lord, through the testimony of me coming into ministry, deepened the relationship because I knew empty religion, empty ritual, empty tradition can't illustrate that. Just like the temple of Jesus' day, empty and a shell, it still speaks of selfishness. If all we do is continue the practice and the ritual of just doing the activity without finding the creator behind it. We need to engage and enter and welcome and respond and receive the creator's advances, not try to tower of Babel to him, not try to do things in our own strength to try and reach him. Because we must be careful, lest faith becomes a mere formula resulting in just a behavioral outside action that is still centered on self. That's the difference. If you want to know what the difference between empty practices and obligation, as we call religion, and true relationship with the Lord, for me, the difference is in doing those practices, we do it to make ourselves feel good, to, uh, ourselves feel better. And that's selfishness. We're doing it just like the Pharisees of Jesus' day and the Judaizers, we're doing it to check a checklist, to say, I did these things, I'm a good Christian. The Lord doesn't desire things to be checked off. He desires us. Even in the old covenant, Torah law and rituals and cleansing was only there that he may have some form of connection with his people. And thankfully, Jesus has completed all those requirements that we may be entered into relationship with him. He has done everything and he set us up to say, just simply worship the Father. You see, the Lord made the first move, and as we saw today throughout this diorama, he continues to make the first move every day in our lives. He continues to passionately pursue us, and he continues to knock at our hearts and saying, just open the door. I want to have time with you. And the last diorama, which encapsulates the whole picture, showing the Lord's hands 
holding this all together. This truth that, you know, the first truth about making room for God is the realization that he didn't just make room for us. He did everything, everything to tabernacle, to dwell and to be with us. And even to the extent that he came to live inside of us, that we are no longer separated by any space. He is inside of us. If I can encourage you today, I want to encourage you with one most encouraging truth. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, precious people of the Lord. He loves to spend any time he can with you, no matter how insignificant, insignificant you think it is. And all that is is, is acknowledging him, worshiping him in any time that you do. If it's listening to worship songs, it's, if it's talking to him, the Lord desires to be with you. It's as simple as that. Let me give you one final illustration. Like in the book of Hosea, which speaks of a marriage relationship and the pursuit of Hosea after his wife. And this is an illustration in my life, and I'll, I'll give it to you. I love my wife, and I love to speak to my wife, Nicole. And I love to do it at any time and at various times of the day. I like to call her while I'm on my walk, while I'm working. And we obviously talk. I like to talk to her before we go to bed. And I like to talk to her the next day when we wake up. It brings me pleasure just to hear her voice and to hear what's going on. Even if it's not so great news and a day is difficult and she's had a tough time. I like to hear from her. Folks, the father wants that and so much more. He loves you like a husband loves a wife, like Christ loved the church and so much more. He just loves to connect with us. I think we put too much restriction on what that looks like. It's as simple as the creator wanting to be with his creation, that he came and he made a way to live within inside of us, making sure that there's no space, no gap, no veil between us and him. And all we need to do is just receive him and respond, receive and respond and talk to our father. I pray that this message was encouraging to all you folk. And I pray that I know you have a relationship with the Lord. I know you've known the Lord for some time, maybe some of us longer than others. But you know, this message is for the ages, as we've seen from Genesis in the diorama all the way till today. The Lord will continue to passionately pursue you. And he wants to know you more intimately each day. And by doing that, by welcoming his intimate advances, we will get to know him more and deeper call unto deep. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. As we once again see and understand how much you love and how much you care for each and every one of us, your longing and your desire to connect with your creation in an intimate way. We give you thanks. We are awed and amazed at your loving kindness and your pursuit. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise for all your loving kindness in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.